Knight, and we are back. A very somber episode of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. I was laughing it as you started, and you just said somber. Somber, and funny. so that, that really that really sets the tone. Thank you, Teddy Pristash. Yep, In yep. memoriam. Sorry about that, everyone. It is uh, <laughs> Wednesday, August 10th. Um, Teddy, alongside me. Make sure, before we get into everything today, of course, this is going to be a, a homage or a... Uh, Funeral for Mekhi Becton's 2022 NFL season. But before we get into all of that, make sure to find us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube page, Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I am at Blake Andrew Pace. Uh, like I said, going to have a lot of talk about Mekhi Becton and his uh, recent injury that will sideline him for the entire 2022 season. Also going to get into some uh, unofficial first depth chart for the New York Jets. And we're going to preview their upcoming game and what we're looking for against the Philadelphia Eagles this Friday, August 12th. And then, of course, we'll finish things off with Teddy's uh, great segment, Who's Gotcha Hype. Teddy, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, this week with the with the first preseason game coming up, I've been thinking about how whenever whenever you have like your first scrimmage in football, you know, everyone's like, all the coaches are always saying, <laughs> they're always saying, they're always saying, you finally get to hit someone in a, in a different jersey than yours or something like that, right. something along those lines. So I just think, I bet you all the Jets have been saying that like all weekend, like can't wait to hit someone in a different jersey. Oh, and yeah. That just kind of makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm doing good, man. It's funny you even mentioned that. I mean, because uh, the Jets, it, it happens in every training camp, but the Jets have gotten really feisty these last like three practices and a ton of fights breaking out. Mims had yeah. like, was throwing What's some blows good the other day. It's that point. You, you've been hitting the same guys for two weeks. That's what You're it right. is. It's You're like, right. you know, if you if you went and played an NFL game, you know, against, uh, you know, like we're saying the Eagles, and stuff, if they did that six seven days in a row and it wasn't their teammate the, the fights would be out of hand so it, it's just uh, yeah, the fact that facts. all these days in a row they just keep lining up against the same guys and hitting them over the head so um teddy the big thing that we're obviously going to get into and start with today um is becton uh suffering his avulsion fracture of his right kneecap um was seen limping around in the early stages of practice on what was it monday morning uh, august 8th yep and uh leaves practice doesn't sound great at first. Then it sounds a little bit more positive about mid-afternoon. And uh, by the end of the night, I think it was I think it was Connor that put something out on Twitter, but then confirmed the following morning um, a fracture of his right kneecap will be out for the entire season. Um, what take me through that entire process for you? Yeah, I I'm I'm real sad. You know, it's it's just really unfortunate because. You know, and, and it's so it's so diff like juxtaposed than what we did last week, you know, but last week we were we were just excited that he was out on the field practicing, you know, and that was yeah. like we didn't know if he was going to be healthy. We didn't know if he was still struggling with getting his weight in control or getting the discomfort out of his knee or whatever it was. So to see him out there practicing was just such a positive sign. We were all really happy. And then fast forward one week later and you know, our biggest fear that we talked about all offseason has come true. You know, Mekhi Becton is not going to be part of this 2022 New York Jets team um, in terms of actually being out on the field. And it just I mean, it sucks, dude. It's it's 
I don't know. It's everything we talked about. Like we didn't want this to happen. And, and now he's gone, you know, and you just feel bad for him as a person, like after everything, you know, it's just third year now, two and a half years, basically completely taken away from him without, without playing at all, you know? So it's just, it sucks. And especially like for this line, you know, I'm not, I'm not like hitting the panic button. I still think it's a strong line, but it takes away kind of the upside that they had to be a top five offensive line in, in the league, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the the tweet that saw me the most, and, and I feel for Becton because <clears throat> say what you want about him taking his time to get into shape and, and all of the work that he put in leading up to camp, he still put the work in and he was ready to go day one. And, you know, there are people on Twitter, this like sick part of Twitter that are taking their victory lap on him. Yeah. And that stuff I, I don't necessarily fuck with. Um, and obviously, you know, it just sucks for some players that are like this. The tweet that I saw that was the craziest is because of his rookie season being the the COVID year, um, he has still yet to play a home football game in front of Jets fans, which is just crazy, uh, you know, for such Damn. a promising player Damn. taken in the first round three years into his career now completely washed. It'll be his fourth season when he tries to do it again. Obviously the organization throws all their support for him. And, and how can you not, you know, a really nice press conference from, uh, from Robert Sala after talking about the entire thing um, for him himself, you know, it, it sucks, but sometimes it, this is, it's just so unlucky how players can be um, injury prone and, and, and that's the problem of being somebody that's 350 plus pounds is that you're far more likely to be on that side of things. I think in previous episodes when we've talked about it, it reminds me a lot of like a Zion Williamson in the NBA. You play at such a, a different size um, that even if you just have the slightest little bit of bad injury luck, it turns into a much longer, much more difficult problem. So um, you, you worry, uh, you know, uh, of course, about his legs being able to keep withstanding serious injuries like this, because it's not just a, you know, a sprained ankle or it's season ending injuries again and again and again. So you hope that his legs can start to hold up. He still is so young. I mean, he's 23 years old. So it's it, like, like Sal was saying, his days as a jet, his career is far from over. It hasn't even begun yet. Um, but you do hope that by some way that there, there's got to be some way to figure out what the balance is between the season and the off season to make sure that year round you are in a good place physically, because I do think that there is some problem trying to gain and lose weight um, in, in a short period like that. So I, I don't know where that comes into and what the focus really is, but there's gotta be a, an approach now where you're really making sure we're there. There's utmost care put toward his body. Yeah, you know, I'm not a medical scientist, but I'm not? very intrigued to just see like where he goes, you know, like what what is the next step? You know, how does his recovery look? Do the yeah. Jets keep him around? Is he able to get out on the field again? Because, I mean, it's just this it, it, we talk about it all the time, kind of the, the 50 percent hit rate of first rounders or whatever it is. And yep. and it's like this is something that happens, you know, you draft a guy and, and he ends up kind of not working out for whatever reason. And and in this case it's injuries. And I, I don't think it, it spells the end of his career, you know, two and a half years when we're, when we're in it and when it's like, Oh wow, he hasn't played in two and a half years. 
that feels like a long time. It really like it feels like this guy's never played. He's probably never going to play. And a lot of times that's not how it works out. You know, a lot of times these guys are able to get back out. And once they're able to stay healthy, you know, then who knows what can happen. But it, it just like in moment, it just sucks so bad for him to have to. I know what it's like to just like, you know, you, you want to play the season and then you get injured and you don't get to play like and it's it, you can just imagine the only kind of thing I'm thinking about is like, I guess he gets to hang out with his kid who we just had a lot more now, which yeah, like look at the positives. good for him, you know, yeah. maybe it's one of those everything happens for a reason types of things. But um, yeah, yeah, it sucks for him. And I think that it, it poses an issue for the Jets, you know, and how they're going to address this and, and what kind of the strategy is going to be now at this tackle position. Right. And as we kind of transition into that, you know, they make two minor signings. I don't, you know, today, I don't think either of them are like, oh, yep, these are going to be our, our fixes at right tackle. Yeah. They're bringing Caleb Benenock, Benenock, <laughs> Benenock and Chris Glazer. Uh, one of which has, you know, both have on-field experience as offensive linemen. It's not like they're guys that have never seen a snap of live game before, but I don't think we look at either of them as the, as the uh, long-term answer at right tackle for this year. And obviously the big name that we have seen Hanging out with the Jets the last week or so is Dwayne Brown, and I want to get into him in a little bit as well, too, along with some other trade candidates. But Teddy, because it's been so talked about, is there any, I don't want to say blame, but is there any responsibility that management should be looking at this now and saying, we did not prepare our our tackle position enough this offseason, whether it be draft or free agency. I know they take Max Mitchell but it was something that was talked about frequently and we talked about it and it goes as early as Iki Aquanu as an offensive lineman at pick four, you know, or other tackle options that were available in free agency. I know they've brought in vets for visits. Riley Reef who ended up signing with, I believe the bears or Steelers at some point. It was very recent, but um, obviously they still have options here, but when you just look at the off season specifically, is there any part of it where you go, there should have been a, a better backup plan? Yeah, I, I I get that type of thinking, but not really. Um, especially like the Iki Aquanu stuff that the the people who are kind of going around like touting that that kind of just is like pisses me off because it's just like, all right, like yeah, we could have and would have looked really smart if we knew, but it's like we also took we're taking the swing of upside of oh maybe yeah. we can have a great corner and a left tackle. Um my thing is with the offensive line is my belief is that in order to have a good offensive line, you just need like three pretty good players, like three or four, and then it can kind of fall in. And, you know, it's like, obviously, would I love if the Jets had a top five, top 10 offensive line? Yes. But do I care more about just being somewhere in the middle of the pack somewhere? Rome in wasn't like built in a day. The, the 13 to 16 area. Like, yeah. So I still definitely think that this is a very good offensive line. I think when you look at Elijah Tucker, who, you know, I've been, we've both said very many times that we believe is going to be a pro bowler. And you look at the veterans on the left side with uh, George Fant and, and Lake and Tomlinson. And it's just like, I still am confident in those guys. Uh, the center McGovern is what it is. And then, now we have Connor McDermott 
here we go again with these just random names that always are starting for the Jets. Um, but, you know, Connor McDermott stinks. Definitely. That's definitely a thing. But <laughs> I do think that at the end of the day, if he has to be out there or if one of these other signings is who's played before, or if it's Dwayne Brown, who's about to turn 37 and uh, his birthday is August 30th, I, or excuse me, he's about to turn 37. His birthday is August 30th because I looked up his age earlier. Nice. Um, so he just, I think that whatever we do, the offensive line can still end up being fine. So I don't super blame them for not having a better backup plan because I don't think it, I don't think this kills the Jets from a, from a outlook of this year perspective. I just do think it takes, it takes a step back of what their ceiling and what their upside could be as a team. Because when you have a guy like Makai Becton, who's maybe going to be a pro bowler and maybe going to, you know, completely highway 77, his way to Brees Hall having 1200 yards and, and all that stuff, you know, I, I think that it kind of takes a step back for what the line can be, but I still am confident in the line as a whole and what the Jets ability is to going to be to be able to run the ball and things like that, even without him. Yeah, you definitely don't need five strong, like five, you don't need five great offensive linemen to have a good offensive line. You you do, as long as you've got, you know, the most important parts are probably taking care of the left side. Third most important, I would say, is right tackle and having a center for your quarterback is solid. Um, and then right guard's important, but I just, I think it's, it's probably in the, the pecking order of players, it's probably the least important. But um, to me, I, 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 and in the icky stuff, I don't mean it as in like they should have taken Aquanu there. I just, I think it was, it was just so heavily discussed in the off season. Like, what is the backup planet tackle? Right. And they just were like, we don't need it. We've got right. Becton coming back. And Whereas, I don't. I'm mostly targeting idiots, not you. Yeah, you yeah. just mentioned. Well, thank it. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I when you take a look at the options, the one that, like you said, is the most obvious is Dwayne Brown. And right now he is someone that kind of like with Riley Reef has options. And the interesting part with Dwayne Brown is, you know, unlike a Fant, um, has spent his entire 14, 15 year career playing only left tackle. And there is some understanding that he wants to continue that uh, this upcoming season, wherever he ends up signing. Now, the thing that gets interesting is I was reading up about the Jets as well, too, today. Fant has a lot of respect for Dwayne Brown. They were teammates in Seattle. They spent time together and they have a good understanding of each other. Would Fant then say, take care of me financially, I'll move back over to the right side? Does that mess up the connection there? Because look, Dwayne Brown is still a free agent. So there is some understanding that he's not considered one of the best left tackles in the game now. Now you're you're bringing him in to fill a massive hole because I do not believe the answer at the second tackle position is currently on this roster. If you gave me a season or a year and a half, I would say you could just slide in there. Um, Max Mitchell, I think he needs to really improve his run technique and he's, he's solid versus the pass. And he's just, he's not great, but he's just mechanically sound. I don't see the answer on the team currently. And it, it's not even just the fact of like, you don't, you don't need five good offensive linemen, but the reports have been, 
the defensive line is destroying this offensive yeah. line in practice. And that was even back when Becton was still practicing. Like they were just getting to Zach Wilson again and again and again and again. And it wasn't always his fault. It was sometimes just pockets that just collapsed instantly. And I've seen a lot of tweets where it's like, yeah, you know, they credited so-and-so with the sack, but there were five guys there. And so to me, I, I, the Jets that, that can tell us great things about the Jets defensive line, but what it also tells me is going up against the Ravens and going up against the Browns and the Steelers and the Packers and the Patriots and the Bills, that's not going to cut it at all, especially when you want to be a run-oriented team and you need to protect your young quarterback. So I don't believe that the answer is there. Dwayne Brown makes it interesting because, okay, if he if the money is close enough, is he going to go to a place that's going to give him a left tackle job? Or are him and Fant going to work something out? So that that's interesting. Where do you lean? Because Fant had a really good year at left tackle. Are you going to just go and mess that up and move to the other side? Like, where do you land with that? It, I, this is uh, an amazing, like, thing to bring up in perspective. Because I haven't even thought about this. Because um, I, I don't love the idea of saying, when we had Mackay Becton, right. who almost played exactly. at an all pro level when we've seen him on the field, we're going to still commit to George Fant because he's good or better at left tackle. And then it would just be so weird for me for them to just say, all right, well, we'll bring in Dwayne Brown Fant, You go back to right because it's, it's still just that question of can Fant be nearly as good when he's playing right tackle, because when he was playing right tackle in the league, he was nothing like he was last year playing left. Um, so I don't love that, but at the same time, I think if the jets can cough up a little bit of money to, to get Dwayne Brown and, you know, just say, Hey, do you want to play right tackle? I think maybe that would work or I don't, I, to answer your question, I do think that signing Dwayne Brown is the correct thing to do. Yeah. I just don't know what what the right way to handle the left tackle and the right tackle it, it, it's too much for me <laughs> what it becomes at the end of the day is you need to have the best collection of five linemen out there wherever they're playing you know you're you're also you know right. you're moving elijah vera tucker who was a pro bowl left guard last year pro bowl level talent i guess or phenomenal rookie season all rookie you're moving him to a new position you're bringing in a new left guard like there are already so many changes but at the end of the day it's what's the best collection of five men we can put on the offensive line and right now if that it means Fant moves to the right side just so Dwayne Brown can be the second tackle and not have to rely on one of these other guys. To me, that's where you go ahead and do it. Um, I don't know what it will cost. I'm assuming they're there. I'm assuming money is not holding this thing up. I think it's just figuring out what are we actually going to do at our tackle position? Yeah. I mean, the reports I've seen um, is basically that like they have an offer They've given it to him. Yeah. He can sign it whenever he wants, but it's just up to him at this point, you know? And so whatever they're going to pay him, it seems like they've given him that. And then we'll see what he can do elsewhere. And then maybe he comes back to the jets and they'll, they'll improve that number. But, but at the end of the day, this, this just comes down to, does he want to sign with the jets? Exactly. Um, And then, you know, outside of Dwayne Brown, because I think, that's the one that makes the most sense. There are a few names that get thrown around as potential trade guys. Um, you know, one of being, and I guess 
I want to get this one out first, so I'm going to jump around on our thing here. But Tevin Jenkins is a name that's popped up a bunch. Right tackle out of Oklahoma State was taken with the 19th or 20th overall pick last year by the Chicago Bears. And really, not only just profession, like uh, on-field play, but off-field play, it just did not work. Where it, even in a year, and they change owners, they change management, they change the coaching staff, they're saying this first-round pick is not what we are trying to commit to in Chicago. To me. If you're a player that one year into your career, they are not willing to, you know, commit to a first round pick that had just been taken when they have arguably one of the worst offensive lines in football as it is. That is not the guy that I want to go then and say he's a character fit that that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas have spent the last two years culminating in New York. Not that he's going to come in and just, you know, make this team all negative Nancy's, but I, I would assume that if they draft players that love football and yeah, the Tevin I Jenkins totally stuff doesn't with, seem yeah. that way. Like that was just the, that's the name that got popped up first because he has been available for trade, but I just, he doesn't go with anything. I think the jets are trying to build. Yeah. And in terms of like, like I, I kind of think about all the cave on Thibodeau discussions of like, Oh, is this guy not a good enough teammate for the Jets? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, at the end of the day, I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau was, like, a bad dude. Like, I think he's fine. But it's, like, I do think that, like, those type of guys, like, the Jets have made it very clear what type of guys they want to bring in, you know? And it's CJ Uzama and DJ Reed and Jordan Whitehead and and these guys who are, like, leaders. Fant, George Fant, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas all the stories about Tevin Jenkins, number one, don't line up with that. Number two, there's just no way they're there's no way they're gonna whatever Chicago would want from a one year removed first round pick, there's no way the Jets would give that. You know, it's yeah. not like you're gonna get this guy for a conditional no. seventh or something, no. you know? No. And he's done nothing to prove anything, really. So and has had, so, yeah. had health problems too. So it's like you're just gonna bring in another tackle that can't stay healthy. Yeah, I just, like I, it I, was the it was the name that was brought up as like a trade option. It's like that. I understand if you're looking for trade options, just right. throw in the guy that's available, but there's no connection there that makes sense. To right. Me. Exactly. That's, this is like the name where people start going, Oh, should we trade for this guy? Trade for this guy. When at the end of the day, like it's just so unrealistic. Right. I will say you mentioned a name and I'm just going to put this in here because it's early August and he was talked about and we talked about how much we loved him. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau is torching oh, yeah, Giants yeah, yeah. practices. So just, just keep an eye on it. Just keep an yeah. eye on it. Oh no, um, dude, I'm rooting for him. Of course. I'm just, it's, it's one of those things where it was talked about for so long. And then right. obviously the jets had a different plan the entire time, but these, if it's he's, nice that, that they didn't take another edge edge yep, because it kind of makes it apples and oranges with, right, with comparing him and sauce. They're not going to, their destinies aren't intertwined and, and things like that. They are a little, right. but not really. So, um, yeah, but back to the tackle situation, the only other name that, that really makes sense is another former first round pick. And that was someone that Joe Douglas was part of the uh, Eagles organization that drafted. And that's Andre Dillard. Um, not that he has untapped, I'm sure he's still a viable tackle option, but he's, um, hasn't been able to carve out a role uh, in Philadelphia as a starter. He's been on the bench. He's he's had a few appearances due to injuries, but um, still only 26 years old. Has familiarity. Was like you know when when um, 
Joe Douglas was VP of, of personnel there. Like he was part of the organization that, that drafted Diller in the first round. So there's obviously something that they saw there that they liked. Um, but he's 26. He's a mountain of a man, kind of has a body that's that's kind of built like a, a souped up Becton almost. Um, hasn't been able to find time in Philadelphia. So could be a trade option if, say, something falls south with Dwayne Brown. Um, I don't know what the, the asking price for a backup tack would be. I think that they're a few years removed from him being a first round pick. So it's not going to cost a ton is where Tevin yeah. is one year removed from being a first. But just a name that if you're going to take a swing on a guy that's young and at one point showed potential Dillard is, is a name that that would make some, some good sense and trade history between them, you know, as well too recently, you know, Flacco and whatnot teams that teams that trade together tend to always go back to each other first when there are offers on the table. I remember when the Colts traded for DeForest Buckner a couple of years back, and then they also a month later were having conversations about Jimmy G like the teams that connect will always connect with each other because they know if you come to an agreement with a team, you usually view players and situations similarly. Whereas, you know, it, it, for instance, we're in a, a I just, I, I liked being able to sneak this in here, but we're in the middle of our Great dynasty job. league rookie draft. And some of us see players at a similar page. It's easy to make trades. If you know, you're reasonable, some people aren't. So it's, it's just, it's kind of like that. That's so true. Philadelphia, you, you know, Douglas spent his time there and, and they've made deals um, over the last year or so. So just a, another name to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm about Any, it. Anything else with, with Becton? It's it's sad. It's unfortunate. They have no, to just they have to they have to act kind of quick on something. Yeah, yeah. I just can't, struggle can't wait. to to see them making a trade. I, I mean, and maybe yeah. it's just like just because it's hard to know who they would actually target who. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I I don't know what the best way to do is outside of Dwayne Brown. I feel like that's the strongest option they have, even though, cause it's like the reason he's not getting picked up is cause he's 37 years old. Like no one kind of needs him. He's at the end of his career, but you put a guy like that out there who knows what he's doing. We sign him at the end of training camp, you know, like I'm fine with that. But to me, I view it as more as he's waiting for his right up. Like, I think he like he has multiple offers right now. I think he's just trying to figure out, like, say, you know, who's a really good football team, the Chiefs, say their left tackle goes down with a season ending injury. He's going to go right. to the Chiefs over the Jets. Right. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying the reason that he's not signing with a team is because of like he's older and yeah, yeah, he yeah, wants to get yeah, his, right. his best offer as opposed yeah. to if he was like 30, you know, he probably wouldn't be available because he was a good player. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're, you're kind of right. I mean, it doesn't seem like the answer is on the team currently, but I just, if they don't sign Dwayne Brown, I, I feel like Connor McDermott's going to be going running out there week one. Um, we don't have to dive back into the whole conversation, I but I guess I'll just I, leave you with that. That's <laughs> terrible. That's a great way to wrap things up, Teddy. Uh, we'll move a little on pessimism to, for the boys. Yeah, exactly. Can't have too much of that here in New York. Um, we're going to move on now. The unofficial depth chart, just some conversations around this because it got released um, in preparation for the first preseason game. And a lot of it is what you would expect. There's a few things that were interesting. Um, you know, one of the first things it's nice to see uh, Sauce Gardner and uh, and Bryce Hall battling it out. Um, both listed as starters, both been playing well. Sauce kind of a kind cop of an, out you know, move. By the Jets, you know, list them both yeah. as starters. 
It's yeah. like if you want to if you want to say I I get that it is a true battle like they're splitting reps. But it is funny to on. see on the depth chart. It's hilarious. Just put them when in you, two. When you kind of look know? at it, I've pulled it up right here and it's like, well, you're not going to start both of them. It's there, like so participation it trophy. I know. It's but yeah, I'll, I'll, everything I'm hearing about that is that, you know, Sauce is obviously showing up. He's he's showing why he was drafted at number four. But Hall is is stepping up to bat and and he's coming every day with, with a lot of intensity and he's making plays on the field and. And, you know, that's awesome. Just like competition. At the end of the day, I think Sauce is going to be the starter. Yeah. But I love to hear just guys getting better. I love that if if something happens and we need Hall, we still believe in him. We still trust him. Like, I just love – you love position battles where it's like who's better as opposed exactly. to which guy's less Which guy bad. do we have to start? <laughs> no, yeah, they're getting the most out of each other. And, and for Hall, he spent the last <laughs> few years earning that starting spot. Um, and then obviously, you know, the Jets come in and they sign a guy in free agency and, and they draft a guy at four. And so for him, that's got to piss him off a little bit, fire him up. And, and obviously it's going to get the best out of everybody in that room uh, for a position group. Last year, two years ago, and, and you can say that with a lot of position groups for the Jets, but it was just abysmal. It was like, who Probably are the we worst starting out league. here? It's like, who are we starting out at cornerback? Um, so yeah, that the one turnaround is. God it's nice it. to start to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, for this position group specifically right it's yeah it feels good definitely um and then as you move forward into the defense uh, a few things here uh, linebacker Quan listed with the second team i i i i sincerely doubt that that will be the case a few weeks from now i think it's also kind of a you know marcel harris has been here from the start of camp and Quan was here soon enough he came in a little bit late um he's been fantastic in camp though so i don't i don't i don't we're going to get into what we're looking for versus the eagles unofficial depth chart as we go toward game one sure have him on the second team i don't want to see him on the football field um but it you know what did you take anything else away from that with harris being there or are you like yeah, buying just, stock I, now or i think that marcel harris is a better player than I just think he's a better player than maybe we give him credit for. Like I wouldn't hate if Marcel Harris started over like Quincy Williams, you know, like I think Marcel Harris is an all right player. Um, But so I just thought it was interesting that like, this is how they kind of put it out with CJ and Quincy and Marcel Harris as the three starters and then Quan behind Marcel. I totally agree with you that that I think that Quan's going to be the starter, but it's just kind of it kind of stood out to me that it wasn't like Nazraldeen or um the other guy. That it was Harris over uh, the others is what sure you're would. saying. Jamie okay, and sure gotcha. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and you know, Quincy is one of those guys where it depends on the package they're gonna be in and you're gonna swap out guys in those situations. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy at the linebacker room there. I think it's more so kind of like with a guy that you bring in as a rookie where it's like, we're going to, this Prove is going to be yours, but we just, we're going to spend some time getting everybody accustomed to it, I guess. Um, Cause I, I would assume day well, one. Yeah. And I think a lot like of people do a lot of people kind of are like, Oh, Quan is washed. Like Quan was not washed last year. You know, like he was yeah. very good. Or exactly good. I mean, when when when, like he when healthy elite, he, but, he's yeah. not yeah exactly he wasn't he's not what he was in san francisco with sala um but he he's he is a solid starting linebacker when he's out there on the field yeah. um the other thing is we move forward through this and, and go to the defensive line we have our 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 front line there and it's 
three names that we expected to see there. You've got Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers at edge, which is what they've said they're going to be doing on first and second down run situations. Quinn and Williams there uh, on the interior. And then the name that gets the start there next to him is Solomon Thomas, um, which, you know, in my, I guess when we've spoken about him was more of like a, a smooth pass rushing interior defensive lineman where I, I wondered about, his plurality if you're going to have John Franklin Myers on the inside anyways but to see him out there I think that there's some hope now that he can provide you know value first through third down yeah I think uh Robert Sala had an interesting quote which I think kind of it's interesting because we talk we've talked a lot about the inside D linemen and kind of the lack of like run stuffers yeah, um, and and guys who can protect against a run. And I just think Robert Salah, he had an interesting quote and he basically just said like the way we run our defense, we're not looking for anyone to be labeled like a run stopper. We just want guys who can play the three technique and like get off the ball quickly, basically. And, and I think he said like cause movement or something like that. But so I just think that's like interesting insight into kind of how they built out this team and why it kind of seems like, oh, none of these guys are really that kind of prototypical, like big inside, just run stopper. Like I'm huge. I'm just going to stop you. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, this D line has been something that I'm very interested to see how it all falls out. I'm very interested to see who's kind of on the chopping block come the end of camp, which guys aren't going to be around. Um, But so to see Solomon Thomas's name, like I can't, is that who we, no, we kept I don't him. Think so. We kept him around. I think we said we 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 projected him as a depth piece. We didn't have him as a starter, right. but we yeah. said yeah. we said it was either. I can actually just pull it up. I think it was it like right here. Was it two weeks ago we were doing that? Yeah, it was. So we both said that. Um, if I can get to it, dead air, dead air. I love we both dead said, air. We both said Nathan Shepard odd man out. Right, but who did we say would start? Oh, starting, we had um, Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just interesting. Like, these unofficial unofficial depth charts, I can't remember if we said this, but, you know. We're also a month away from it. They're not always accurate, um, but it's just, you know, it's interesting. I'd love if Solomon Thomas, you know, former third-round pick or third-overall pick could could get back to his mojo and be be pretty awesome. So, that would be... That would be cool Look, with me. He found something in Vegas, you know, when he switched from edge to more of a, a, a three tech and, um, and, and it was more so in passing situations. So it will be interesting, but you know, he's got a big fucker next to him um, in, in, uh, in Quinnen. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but it, that was a surprise just considering, you know, for the most part, a lot of these new guys and a lot of these rookies are a little bit further back on the depth chart, but he's a free agent signing that was relatively cheap. And for what it's worth is listed as a starter on the first, unofficial depth chart um the other thing here kind of going into what i was just saying two notes uh some of these rookies you know really far back and i i love the idea of it but i don't because it's like we know we know where these guys yeah, are going to end jermaine up johnson and and breeze hall are both listed as the third string at their respective positions uh jermaine third string edge breeze hall third string running back What I'm intrigued by, because when I saw Jermaine, I wasn't shocked, right? Because this D-line has a lot of pieces. There's going to be a lot of rotation. Um, And 
So listing him at the third spot, like fine. But with Brees Hall, I mean, I'm not at practice every day and we don't get to watch a whole ton of like, like clips of the plays they run, but I would assume Brees Hall is getting in his work with the first team offense pretty regularly. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's just funny that the jets will be practicing every day, definitely including him in his, in their first team, like first string offense. And then are going to release a depth chart and be like, Oh yeah, well he's third Michael Carter's first. And and I think Tevin Coleman was listed at second, yeah. which yep, it was Coleman. The, which which is which, so interesting because crazy. we have we have Zonovan Knight, you know, the undrafted free agent who everyone's thinking is gonna. Am I did I say the wrong name? No, no, you're. I I was just like I I just I've always thought at the end of the day the third string running back. I I thought the entire like I know he came out strong and there are other guys in the mix. I always just was like it's it's they're gonna keep Tevin Coleman around just because he's he's literally followed with this offense is like a coach. I agree, team. but the question mark is there. So sure. it's just still he's old. It's he's just not funny. Like too like much. what if at the end of the day, you know, this first first depth chart and the second string guy doesn't even make the team. It would just be kind of funny. Um, it, the, I think it's more likely both of them make the team than Tevin Coleman get cut. You know, you would like think they would keep four, keep around saying? the other guy first if he can be a special teams guy gotcha. and contribute gotcha. on kickoff and punt return and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's funny to me that like Brees Hall is going out there to practice every day, running with the ones, and then yeah, the third. Because like you were saying, with the Jermaine one, sure, Vinny Curry has been around the block. Um, and, and, you know, Carl Lawson is, is the starter there too, in that, in that spot. It's not like Michael Carter and I love Michael Carter. Actually, I, I, could you imagine just time out real quick? Teddy drafted Brees Hall one, one in our, in our dynasty football league. And then yes, I did. later in the draft, I traded away Michael Carter as some package for a second round pick. How hilarious would it be? <sighs> If, if, if just come, the he's taken, he's taken the one at the beginning of the regular season. Like that would be hilarious. It's not that going to happen. not make me happy. It's <laughs> not going to happen. But it, it, that one was just weird because it's not like Michael Carter is an established vet. Right. He had one good season. Coleman is at this point, he's, he's washed. That's it's, he's at that point of his career where he is. So that one, I, I just, I don't get the point of, because we know that Brees Hall is going to be starting um, and he's going to be the number one running back. It just, it's not, I, Football like, can be so dumb sometimes where it's yeah. like earn your spot. And it's like, well, I, I've earned it because you guys give me the reps in practice that show me that I've earned it. So now this piece of paper tells me that I'm not earning right. it. Well, I've also heard stories about the unofficial depth charts where like it'll just be like some random assistant coach is just like, hey, put this unofficial depth chart together and then give it to these, give sure. it to the social team or whatever. Like, yeah. So maybe that's why it's as stupid as it is. Um, but I don't know. Brees Hall is going to be the number one. I took him one one We're going all the way, baby. And I guess in the same sense to say that. <laughs> okay. Um, in the same sense, you know, you've got Garrett Wilson back there uh, as, as wide receiver four, which I guess when you look at the alignment and you've got Braxton in the slot, I guess you're just going to give him that number one slot, but um, he's listed there at a at, at wide receiver there. And you've got Garrett Wilson kind of behind Elijah Moore as the wide receiver four. Right. They have Corey Davis. This has the other they've, starter. They have Corey Davis and Elijah on the outside. Braxton as the slot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same stuff. It's it's the yeah, young guys. Are I, I, I mean, that one I'm a little more interested in because if if the, the, the 
top three are going to be Davis, Moore, and Wilson. I would like to know who they're going to put in the slot, if they're going to move more Elijah back in there, or if they mm, feel like yeah. Garrett or Davis could run that role. Um, but, I mean, we've talked about it. At the end of the day, I think a majority of our the sets we're in are going to be two wide receiver sets, and I think that they're just going to kind of be rotating guys. Um, yeah. So I that don't think gonna anyone's going to gonna be – I don't think anyone's going to be stuck – playing only in the slot or only on the outside i think everyone's right. going to kind of line up everywhere um but yeah i guess it, it i'm glad you did mention this because seeing how these wide receivers fall out in year one is a very interesting question like like does garrett wilson kind of bully his way to like you got to keep me on the field or does it take him a little bit more time to get there um so yeah something to watch in this preseason game that is happening on friday two days from when you're listening to this podcast, let's fucking go. I'm Ant. Exactly. And as we transition into that preseason game, Teddy, we will both not be watching it live. <laughs> yeah. I like might, I'm like hoping oh, okay. I can, but I just you, like have you, you're stuff going, to going on. To. I'm not going to like not do things to, so I can like sit and watch the game, but I'll watch it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, but my, my plans, uh, uh, as we talked about, that's going to be my birthday on Friday. So I, I am doing a little staycation Oh, the in birthday boy. Yeah, I got a little oh, staycation. Oh, you're not? Okay, staying in I'm, Nashville. I'm coming to Nashville. I'm coming to uh, New York Saturday morning. But I was able to get a nice uh, hotel, going to do a nice massage, going to hang wow, by the pool. And boy. then at night, at night, I'm going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So wow, very cool. Going to be very a cool. really fun Happy day. Happy early birthday. Everyone Thank send you. like a DM. I'm, I'm turning 21. I'm 21. 21. 21. Um, but Teddy, as we go and talk about this preseason game, we're kind of just going to go over, and I think we can do this by just going back and forth on things that we are looking for um, in our first preseason game here with the Jets as they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, so, I, so just to set yeah. the scene, game's on Friday, 7.30 p.m. Um, I'm not sure what channel it's on, but figure that out. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's the beginning of it's the beginning of like the blue ball season of football. But we get to watch the New York Jets out against a, a team players in a different color jersey, as I yep. said at the beginning of this show. Someone. Um, and you know, it's not the start. There's still a long way, but, but man, is it going to feel good to see those guys, see those guys out there in their, in their game, game uniforms, uh, playing against different guys. It's just, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited, even though it's just a preseason game and I'll be bored within 20 minutes. But what I like <laughs> about, what I like about it now is, and I'm, like I said, I'm going to watch the game when I fly. What I'm going to do is if, if it's available on game pass by then, I'm going to have it on my uh, iPad. So when I'm flying home from New York, coming back to Nashville, I'll be able to watch it. Um, There's but a lot to what look I for. at least like about, well, that's the thing is like, now that we do this, there's actually stuff that we can watch the preseason game and take away from and go kind of communicate. So I, I, I'm going to watch, I, I haven't watched preseason football in eight, nine years. I I've told Teddy this. I don't know if I've said it on the show before. I just, I don't watch it. I, it, it means nothing to me and I hate it. And as we get into it, there's going to be some things that I'm looking for that I'm actually not looking for. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's going to be fun to at least though, kind of have a reason beyond, right. you know, blue balls football season to to watch a game 
Um, yeah. So it's always so Teddy, fun. Yeah. What were you saying? No, I was just saying it's always fun to to see the guys who aren't going to play a lot in the in the season, but they're kind of yeah. like the the training camp heroes, and you get to see right. them and see which guys, you know, are going to have their their hard knocks arc or one Jets drive arc or whatever you may call it these days. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, Teddy. So, Things that we're looking for. Are you, do you want to just kind of toss these back and forth here? Yeah, I mean, what's your biggest one? Like, what what do you think? What are you most excited to see when you think of when you think of okay, the Jets are going to play their first preseason game. What am I What am I thinking about? So, I'm going to preface this with: we know that we are going to say, and 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 you mentioned this before the show started that it is expected starters that are 100 healthy, no lingering issues, are going to be playing two series potentially a first quarter, About a quarter, however long that takes. So we are going to see the starters out there. Now, the thing that I would want to see the most is none of that. I am more so of the approach of we ease into the preseason games. We ease into the regular season because, you know, for a lot of players, it's not like everybody is always staying in football shape from the day the season is over. A lot of people are slowly getting themselves back into football shape. And if you rush those things too often, that's where we get a lot of unfortunate injuries. And, and the number one thing that I want is no injuries. And so to me, when I look at the first preseason game, I don't want to see anybody. I really do not. But since we are going to, the thing that I am most looking forward to is how this offensive line moves. I, especially now with the Becton injury, and, and Philadelphia, man, they got a fucking difficult defensive line if you want to talk about some beefy MFers up there. And I I don't know who is necessarily playing. I haven't seen who the Eagles are planning to sit. Yeah, I haven't seen play. anything either. But I know at the very least that they've got a deep defensive line um, and some big fuckers up there. So in terms of what I want to see, I want to see how this pocket can hold up guys. Um, and, and, you know, everybody's going to be looking at right tackle, deservingly so, because they they know that there's no great option there right now. But I'm looking at the left side. And if Fant's not going to be there, it's one thing. So you're not going to be able to pay much attention. But what Lake and Tomlinson can provide, what AVT can provide at guard, whatever version we get of the offensive line, I just want to see it hold up for those first few series. Um, and I'm expecting we're going to have backup tackles in there anyways. So really, it's going to be those three in the middle. Um, and, and whoever is available back there, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the offensive line holds up against a team. That's not the jets because it's going to help me figure out, okay, what's the situation is the jets D line filthy or is the jets offensive line still a really big problem? I think this is, this is a great example of, um, you know, like me being a jets fan and you just being for all intents and purposes, like an analyst of the team. Whereas I am like a fan of the team mm -hmm. because first thing you're thinking of is, is easily the probably most important football question that we have of this team right now, which is what, what's going on at right tackle. Makai Becton's gone. How's everyone's going to look when I think about this game, what's the thing I'm most excited for. And it's these four, it's these rookies, yeah. you know, it's, it's seeing these <laughs> exactly. guys, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, seeing these guys in their game uniforms, you know, whether it's two series, like I, I cannot wait. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick one. It's all of them. Okay. I'm very excited to see them all. The, the main guy I'm excited to see has got to be Brees Hall because of the, the recent dynasty one-on-one pick. Um, oh yeah. 
but yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. You're frozen on my end, buddy. I'm frozen on your end. Yeah. Am I frozen on your end? No, I can. Can you hear me though? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Then well, let's I'm just keep sure it rolling. On. We'll keep it rolling. If you can hear me fine, yeah. maybe at some point the screen oh, will work itself out. Nice. I'm back. Look at that. We killed that. We don't even have to cut The producers that. figure that out. Yeah. Yep. Good job, boys. Yeah. Thanks, Hank. Um, yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but yeah, no. no, I mean, I I, I totally I totally uh, am in line with, with your thinking. But then, you know, on the flip side, there's so much to be excited for with these young guys. So I, I can't wait. Yeah, of course. I, I That's what you should be excited about. If I flipped on the Colts game, I'm not going to be looking at, at how Matt Pryor is at left tackle now or who we've filled in at right guard. I want to see Alec Pierce. I want to see, um, you know, uh, uh, Deo Obendago. I want to see, you know, some of the new guys, Stefan Gilmore. Like there's so many new pieces to a team where you're like, I, I want to see how everybody looks because if they look great, they look that then that's all you need to hold on to until week one. You know, one great run from Brees Hall in this first preseason game is going to have you fired up about his potential, like a nice breakaway 75-yard right. touchdown. I, like, that what, would just I, get you amped for a month. I mean, yeah, that would be ideal. I, I'll take like a 12-yard run. Yeah. I yeah. would just watch that on repeat <laughs> exactly. all day. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Who was... Who was the Hall of Fame game again? I didn't watch it. Who was it? It was Jaguars uh, Raiders. Raiders, and it was the the highlight that I saw was like, oh, Zamir White had a fourteen yard right. run in the preseason right. game, and it's like, and All then right. like, I, cool. like Trayvon Walker, you know, who's number yep. one overall pick. Obviously, everyone has every right to be excited to to see him, and he gets a sack, you know, and I think yeah. he had a couple other like QB pressures. And so, you know, that's three plays. I didn't watch every play super intently, but I remember those plays. And it's just funny that, like, I couldn't tell you how Trayvon Walker played the rest of the game. But I know that those right. three plays, he's, he looked great, you know, yeah, and that's the exactly. story that everyone runs with. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, all right, man. What's the next thing you're what's the next thing you're caring about? What are you excited uh, to see? Zach Wilson. I, to me, it's, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the offensive line where, you know, I think one of his biggest problems was being able to handle pressure in his rookie season. And this is me flipping it from the the fun parts to the not fun parts. And like what I need to see from Zach Wilson in these first few series, if he's going to have guys breathing down his neck, I want to see how he's able to, and what he's learned in the last year to adjust to, to handling pressure, because there were some times where you are just holding onto that ball way too long. You're taking unnecessary hits um, and it's the preseason. It's going to be a little bit lighter and I'm not, I'm, they're probably not going to put him in that many situations where he's going to get hit. But if he is under pressure, I want to see a poised Zach Wilson understand that I can throw this thing out of bounds, especially because it's the first week of the preseason and this game means absolutely nothing. I just want to see a more poised Zach Wilson under pressure. I want to see a better understanding of the offense, quicker reads, being able to throw guys open on the easy passes. Um, that was something I feel like on, on an easy slant, he would just be a little bit behind guys on, you know, not hitting them in stride, Definitely. not hitting him in their hands. So, you know, is we're not going to get a ton of him, but what I want to see is just, I guess, crispness. It doesn't need to be these, you know, dancing around, evading pressure and launching a bomb for 70 yards. I want to just see calm, cool, collected Zach, just doing the easy part of the job of being a quarterback. Yeah, I like the way you finished that. Um, I think that's probably the best way to describe it is is you don't need to see anything crazy, but you just want to at least see, you know, him looking comfortable, him knowing what he's doing. Um, it's an interesting, like, 
I don't the 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 emotional dynamics of like watching your starting quarterback in preseason or starting offense as a whole in preseason is like really it's always kind of been a battle for me because it's just like they're going to play two series right mm-hmm. and so if those two series aren't don't look good three and out three and out that sucks you know and it's like you hope you know, it doesn't really mean anything. It's the first two series of preseason. It's not the end of the world. But when you're only going to get to see your first team offense go against another team for two series, the pressure is on to like yeah. show something like go, go have a touchdown drive, have two, you know, yep. score twice. Don't, don't yep. leave the field with zero points. Um, and so it's, it's like, I don't think that's needed. I don't think that's the, the, you know, end all be all like, this will show if they're good or not. Mm-hmm. But when, when I'm just thinking of like, what do I want to see? What I'd like to see is, you know, two sustained drives and, you know, at least one being a scoring drive, if not both. Um, and, and that kind of comes down to like, how is Zach Wilson going to run this offense? How is he going to um, handle these plays that they're throwing at him and stuff like that? So you know, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching him, even though it's only those two series, those right. are going to be like the two it series could be, that it could be over like watch that. the most, especially when they're a team that's not. probably trying to integrate a good run offense. Like, you know, how many opportunities right. are you going to get to throw the football, but it could easily be run, run, incompletion, punt. And punt. it's like, God you do damn, that twice. You know? And then there's, it's, it's Joe Flacco time or Mike white season. Um, we, we know he can, we've, to me, I like I once I know a quarterback can do the special stuff, I don't need to see the special stuff again. What I want to see, and that's kind of guys in their development, like a Josh Allen, being able to see him because he had some for as many dumb plays as he had early in his career. And you could say the same about Mahomes and some of these other greats. Is it's like they can do the amazing stuff. Once you see that, you know they've got that. I want to see what they can do on these short, intermediate throws right. and the precision and the consistency and, and the just accuracy. moving the ball, getting and, first downs. And, Zach Wilson can do the special stuff. I want to see him understand how to move a football, not slowly down the field, but methodically. Um, so that's yep. to me, the next stage of his development and something that you're, you're right. We're probably not going to be able to get to see that much of, um, especially if it's just going to be two series. And we're also really trying to integrate a, a run offense here, but something that I, I do want to try and get at least a few takeaways from in, in his game. Definitely. So, so what do you got next? What, what's got you? Uh, what's, yeah, you yeah, next thing to? I'm, I'm really excited to look for is just is really watching these linebackers. I think I might be like the 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 Jets fan who cares the most about the linebackers. I think I think you I think you might because I talk about them like every week. But but I just I'm so intrigued. You know, I think CJ Mosley is going to be fine. But I'm so intrigued to see, like, what can Quincy Williams be? Is he going to be the starter all year? Are we going to have to be rotating him in and out? Like, what's going to happen there? How's Marcel Harris going to look? If Quan Alexander does play, which I kind of don't think he will, but if he does play, how's he going to look? Um, these young guys in, in Jamie and Sherwood and Hams and Nasraldine, how do they look? I, I just It's such an intriguing position to me because I feel like we don't have the talent that we need there. So I'd, I, I can't wait to just watch these guys and see, you know, if, you know, like Quincy Williams is a perfect guy who who it wasn't the preseason. But when when you first started seeing him, he, he just was like making plays and, and sticking off the screen. And while maybe everything 
every other play wasn't the best. It's not like he's in some elite guy, but he's a guy who kind of jumps off the screen at you and, and you say, wow, this guy can at least play. Um, and so I'd like to get some type of a feel for these other guys and see if anyone else can make at least that type of impression, if not more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Quan probably not playing, right? I would assume I not f- with, I feel like he's been kind of in and health. out of practice and yeah. yeah. And there's, they're just, they're slow rolling him to get him ready for the season. Yeah. I would assume so as well. I, I agree with you. It's like I said, I, we talked about it last week. I don't think it's the most important position on a defense anymore, but you still need guys out there and you need serviceable guys. So who is going to step up and take that opportunity? So that's definitely something to look forward to. Uh, my last two things. One of them was a joke. I just, how does Andre Dillard look? That was, that was one. I was just like, well, it, yep. he's going to be playing for the just Eagles about him. So, and he's going to probably get some reps since he's in that backup unit. Looks good. Maybe, you know, are, are they playing? Where, where are they playing? It's not a, it's not a, they a are playing flight. at Lincoln financial field. In okay. Philadelphia. So you, you take him on the plane back home when everything's all said and done. Yeah. He, he <laughs> hey, leaves the game, a member of the New York jets. Um, that was my joke one. The other one is kind of like what you were saying. Some of these fringe guys that could be into, you know, potentially larger roles. And, you know, I take a look at the safety position and, you know, right now, as we were talking about with the unofficial depth chart, it's got what we probably thought was going to be there. Lamarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead at both safety spots. But then you've got these four guys behind. And it's like, if you are going to be relied on, say Lamarcus Joyner doesn't have it, or say another injury comes up, you know, Pinnock, Davis, Riley, Parks, who is really going to carve out their opportunity there out of those four guys? Um, I know they've got a fifth on the chart, uh, Tony Adams as well, too. Um, he's really the one guy that's considered fourth team. So not really much of him, but more so the other four in particular. But guys like that, you know, I'm, I, I do want to see just because, you know, I don't think he is going to, there are other guys that had the pecking order, but as we go back to the offensive line a little bit, I do want to see how Max Mitchell looks. I uh, specifically in the run game. And and I think he is a very sound, um, sturdy pass protector, but he is abysmal in the run game. I want to see what he's worked on in his time since, since college, uh, since his college film and what the jets have been able to work on with him. So if he can show a little bit in the run game where it's like, Hey, maybe we do have a diamond in the rough. We're not, this season, but a year and a half or two down the road, we've got a guy that can fill in as a starting tackle. Fringe guys like that, I'm just like keeping an eye on because their roles may become more important than we even realize, specifically at safety. And I, you know, it hopefully never the case at tackle, but you you never know. You know, McDermott did get banged up a little bit earlier in a few practices ago. So it's like no, and never and know who's gonna be Max to step Mitchell. Up. Yeah, man, Max Mitchell is like the question mark, right? I mean, he's a rookie. So, so end of the day, I mean, I agree. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have the Jets said that their plan with him is to kind of not really play him this year and move on? Or is that just kind of what we think is going to happen? That's that's my yeah, that's I mean, my that's my of him as instinct a as well. Is I right. just, he's okay. so, he is so it's it's size it's athleticism he is more so just a statue but he's a statue with good technique where he's not going to move guys in the run game he doesn't have the upper body for that yet they really to me the slow play is building up his you know his strength and his grounding and his footwork he is so technically sound he just he struggled against lower level collegiate linemen where in the nfl i mean he would get torched in the run game run over yeah, and I mean whether he plays whether he plays this year or not, I think the point is just, you know, at the end of the day he's a question mark and 
you know, maybe he maybe he does become the answer at, at right tackle for this team. And maybe he does. Even, right. Exactly. And it, it's just that's why that's how we are going to be engaged with these preseason games, as we were talking about at the top of this. But but it's like, oh, it's the third quarter and the third, fourth strings are in. But guess what? I want to see how Max Mitchell's doing. So so yeah. it, I mean, that's it, it, it's awesome. Um, kind of in a similar vein. The last thing I had was just, you know, Jeremy Rucker, the 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 third tight end that we took from Ohio State. Um, I'm just excited to see if they kind of show any of like him playing fullback, if they run any of that, if they, you know, obviously they'll probably still have Bodden out there running that role. Um, but I would like to see if they're going to at least try Rucker out. I don't think. I think if we don't see it, it's possible they just don't want to show it for mm-hmm. the season. Um, but I'm very intrigued with with how that kind of whole situation is going to work out because, you know, at the end of the day, you might not always want to have three tight ends on your roster. I guess I guess tight ends at the end of the day, they are pretty effective on special teams. So maybe three tight ends isn't that out of this world. I think, I think three tight ends is is very, very reasonable normal yeah so I would so Rucker so. will probably just be the third tight end and and maybe he is able to get on the field in some of those tight end roles because of how much uh we're going to be running two tight end and three tight end sets but I would really just like to see if they're going to be able to utilize him at this fullback ish position um that kind of like why h back in the backfield um right. and just kind of see see how that goes um so yeah that's probably like the smallest thing I'm looking for but yeah. Still, uh, it's it's nice to kind of see a guy who probably we're not going to see a ton of throughout the year. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So uh, anything else with the preseason game? I Is there anything? Um, Only other wanna... thing I wanted to do was just talk about like we're playing the Eagles. Are there any players on the Eagles that you I mean, I know you already mentioned Andre Dillard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anyone else that just kind of like, oh, I'm kind of excited to see um I'll maybe let you mull it over, but yeah. what, what I kind of came up with, number one, Gardner, Minch, Gardner Minshew's the backup, He's which is goat. just kind of fun because, like, we're going to get to – he'll probably play a, a decent amount of the game. Um, and then the the only other thing I had were the, the two rookies, Jordan Davis, who uh, is going to be wearing number 90. Um, you know, Big all reports are saying he's been awesome in camp. He – I think the Eagles took him at, like, 15 or 16 in the draft. Yeah, um, I'm just excited to see kind of what he looks like. And then and then they drafted uh, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker. Um, I'm yep. not sure I don't have his jersey number, but that'll just be, you know, kind of interesting because he was a guy that a lot of Jets fans, including myself, wanted to take early in that second round. And he ended up dropping a lot. So his his story was so crazy because there were there came became so many red flags about his health. And then afterwards, he was like, I'm fine and he's he's been fully yeah. healthy so it's it's interesting the way things work out like that um no all all great mentions i i love i love 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 gardner Minshew. there was a, a point in the offseason before really? i knew i didn't know that oh before before matt ryan i knew matt ryan was available i i was like i'd rather trade a seventh round pick for gardner Minshew than a second round pick for jimmy g like to me gardner Minshew is one of those guys that can just step in and be fine he can like he Would had you like better season who do you like better, him or uh, Mitch Trubisky? 
as a person oh. or a player? No, no, no. Like, who would you rather play quarterback for your team? Um, I see. I'm buying into Mitch, so that's that's I know the tough you are. part here. So I I do I do. That's why I asked Mitch. this question. I know you're I'm, a Mitch type of guy. I'm gonna side with with Trubisky. I think he can provide a little bit more athletically, but as a as a thrower, as just like a a throwing quarterback, I like I would prefer Gardner Minshew's arm. Interesting. That's a cop out answer where I gave you a reason not to take right, each, but both. Yeah, but that that's a good. It's not argument. like I it's like not like one. Minshew can't be can't run around out there. You know? No, he he can he can he's just he uh, Mitch is Mitch is a shifty athletic good running quarterback yeah um he's deceptively if, he doesn't look like he would be that that athletic but he is let me take a look if there's any any specific the first names i mean they, they've got you know uh, i've heard so much about the connection between aj brown and jalen hurts to start off training camp that things have just been have been gelling perfectly with them um so that's yeah. definitely something i don't think aj brown will play so that's that's um, the other part i don't know who and i don't think playing. hurts will play either seriani the only thing i saw that is out is that Sariani said we haven't made that plan yet. We don't have to decide that until Friday. I love so Sirianni. Sirianni was a <laughs> Sirianni was a Colts guy. He was our OC before he got that job. So I, I love him. Um, you know, just taking a look through the roster, it's not a ton of names that I'm like super excited to see. If if Carson Strong is playing, if he gets any snaps in at quarterback, I, I would be excited I'm to sure see he will. him. I'm sure you know, he Nevada will. guy who, you know people considered in this tier of maybe potentially a good quarterback to take in this draft, but the injury history is like downright scary. His legs are, are paper. Um, Jimmy Moreland, JMU Duke uh, there in oh, yeah. cornerback. He's, he's shot a few places with the, the Washington commanders. Then he went to Houston. So he's up there as well too. There's no other real names that I can say I'm I'm super looking for. And I think you hit on the big ones um, with, with the two rookies. Um, a guy I've always thought that that never really panned out to his potential was Derek Barnett. And of course, he's listed in as a backup edge rusher. He was a first round pick back in 2019. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, it's it's a it's a big physical defensive line that's going to be fun to watch. They, they've got a good offensive line, too, that's getting a little bit older. I guess I'd say Cam Jurgens. Because also recently Jason Kelsey got injured at center a little bit, and he was obviously drafted to one day be the Jason Kelsey replacement. So he's another rookie I'll throw in there as a guy. Like I'm, I'm interested to see because there have been some centers that have come out of recent drafts and instantly been one of the best oh, in their yeah. positions. Like Creed Humphrey, yeah. people say Creed Humphrey in two seasons is already the best center in the league, and it's crazy how quick some of these interior guys can ascend to that status. So. Uh, he's he's another guy I'd throw in there, but yeah, just looking at it, I mean, you could say the the Denzel Mims of the Eagles to a, a even worse. Yeah, extent. I was gonna bring that up. Uh, yeah, Jaylen with Jalen Rager, Rager <laughs> just because it, it. I was gonna say something. Well, here we go again. We're, we're talking about Denzel Mims. I was gonna find it's a way to sneak it in, anyways. It's hilarious to me, just like this podcast, we're always working in Denzel Mims, like because. Obviously, it's because of the draft pedigree. It's because he's a second round pick. But but the the way that the fans and the beat reporters just like care so much about like, where is Denzel Mims? Because we've talked about it. Even if Denzel Mims is great, his peak uh, of on this roster is wide receiver five. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna be a, above 
either of the young guys. He's not going to be above Corey Davis, who's making 15 million or 12 million a year. He's not going to be on over Braxton Berrios, who just got a, a new deal and is going to be used. So it's like the beat reporters know that his best option is like fifth string, but they still care enough and they know that we care enough to continue asking about him. Um, and, and, you know, everything's been, been positive. It's not the same type of stuff it was last year. Um, but I was just getting, I was thinking about how I was like, it's crazy that like, we just care so much about Denzel Mims when the rest of the NFL probably doesn't. And that's kind of how the Eagles are with Jalen Rager, except I think that more people care about Jalen Rager than care about Denzel Mims. But that's because Rager was taking a pick before Justin Jefferson. Who's more people know him. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Rager is that Mims isn't starting punt and kick returner. So he's got a leg up on him there. So yeah, good for him. That's but also, cool. but also listed as wide receiver five on their first unofficial depth chart. So that's a lot, of, a lot of similarities there. Teddy, uh, that's really all that I've got for this preseason game. Obviously we'll be able to recap it next week. Um, the only last thing that I think we could do to finish things off here is who's got you hyped week two. We, we started with the negative. We, we got our soggy sorrows out of the way with Becton finish on a high note this past week. Who's got you hyped? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if like there was too much hype week one, but week two felt, felt a lot less hypeful. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe I got too excited for too many guys last week, but obviously mm. with this Makai Becton news, uh, I was just a little sad when I was trying to figure out who had me hyped. So I wasn't sure, but I wanted to go with Robert Sala just because um, you kind of touched on it earlier, but the, the way he kind of like went out of his way to, to make a statement about Makai, back him up, kind of say that, that they're there for him. They support him. They think he was doing all the right stuff. Um, and, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they feel bad. And he was kind of taking shots at, at fans who wanted to just like throw him and throw him to the curb. And um, I just thought that was awesome. I it, just in general, even outside of that, Robert Sala just continuously shows me that like, at least from a, a optics and like personality and knowing what the right things to say are, he knows exactly what to say. And, and he does things the right way, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I just love that. He got me hyped. He's one of those guys that you could always, you could put him here every single week because he's one of those coaches, you know, kind of like a Dan Campbell or they're, they're just, they're, they love the game so much. And even Sean McVay to an extent where they're just their passion. You can just feel it every single day. So he, he deserves like a, a weekly award for who's got you hyped. Um, I was going to go quarterback here because I, I, I did want to give Zach some credit for what sounded to be a, a much improved second week here. I'm yep. going to go a little bit outside of that, though. Um, Tyler Conklin, I, you know, he just keeps showing off these highlight plays and, and he's a freak athlete. And, and when we've talked about players that can, you know, really, you know, make a, you know, come into their own with the Jets, he's shown flashes before, but he's someone that you know, whether it's, you know, tight window throws or a tight window catches or contested catches, like he is making plays out there where, you know, I know that Uzoma is, is the number one guy, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. If Conklin is at the end of the day being looked at as, you know, the high upside number one tight end connection with Zach, especially when it comes to the red zone and the end zone. So Definitely. he's a guy Definitely. that I just, I think that we're starting to see a lot of consistent good practices from where there's great catches and he's putting the work in, in the passing game. So he's going to get my, who's got me hyped it for, uh, for week two. 
Love it. I love Tyler Conklin. Can't wait to see what he's got. Yep, exactly. Awesome, Teddy. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, go right ahead. This has been the most exciting end of an episode, in my opinion, because as we're wrapping up, it's like the next time we'll talk to these guys, the Jets will have played a game. We've seen football. We've seen how all these guys look. Everything that we just talked about, we're excited excited. to see. It's going to be a great time, and we're going to get into that. We've got an AFC East preview coming up as well, too. We'll obviously get into some big season predictions, all that as we approach the season. I mean, Teddy, I, I think like day-wise, we're officially about just about a month away. Um, so yeah, from from the, you know Bills Rams Thursday night football. So we are we are just about there, and it, like you said, it's getting more exciting every week that goes. So thank you guys as always for listening to Chasing Sixty Nine, a New York Jets podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing Sixty Nine. Same with the YouTube page, Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, it, we started off somber. We're finishing strong. We're excited. Let's go play some motherfucking football this weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.